Okay, so I was um, talking to my good friend, Luca. And when I say good friend, I, I don't see her often enough. Uh, she, uh, she only makes it out once in a while, and uh, we're uh, only lucky once in a while to uh, manage to encounter one another and or we get organized to get out. And I got to tell you, I'm going to make sure that that happens, happens more often. Uh, because shooting with Luca is like just such a riot. She's, you know, she's just got this boisterous laugh. And, you know, she genuinely can tell she's having a great time. And she's a recoil junkie. Like she loves shooting, you know, magnum pistols and, you know, anything that goes boom. And, of course, uh, she contacted me, uh, you know, many, many uh, years ago now, uh, you know, and and let me know what a fantastic time she was having in the firearm community. And, you know, I knew I had to get her out again at some stage, and I lost track of her, and I'm really sorry for listening to this, sweetie. I, I apologize. Um, I completely lost track in the, you know, 100,000 personalities that I have to manage sometimes. And <clears throat> uh, when, uh, when this young lady contacted me, and said, you know, she had a real interest in shooting uh, the XO-12. Uh, you know, I couldn't resist uh, at that point. Uh, I decided that I was going to make an executive decision to get together with her. And and it was only, you know, after a few um, conversations that I realized that uh, this person was, you know, transgender. And uh, that it actually was... Uh, the gasoline queen from a while back that I had met and, and it was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> you found me again. Thank God. And so we got together and, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I put, I put the MH 12, uh, in her hands and she fell in love with it right away. She said like, it's like every 1980s action movie ever rolled into like one gun. It's two shotguns and one, one gun. And what what a great concept! And she wanted to shoot it, so I loaded this thing up and uh, you know and, and showed her how uh, you know it, it loads like a conventional shotgun. You know, unlike some of the other uh, similar type products out there, it's not a bullpup design, which I think is really cool too. Uh, you know, you're not going to hear me knock it, but um, you know, to load something conventionally is a little bit you know uh, less uh, labor intensive, in my opinion, and uh, you know, much more like you know, the items that we're familiar with. So the MH-12 makes actually a lot of sense. And so, you know, after showing her how to load it, uh, you know, she got this thing loaded up and I said, don't baby it. And I said, just rack it full. Cause I mean, it's like two actions. So when you, when you pump this thing, you got to realize that you're actually moving two sets, uh, you know, of bolts and, you know, twice as many moving parts. So it does require some enthusiasm. Uh, as you cycle through the action. So anyway, she gets behind the wheel of this thing and she starts laughing and it's got to be like, it's the most ridiculous, uh, you know, display of, of like uh, unbridled childlike uh, happiness when you hear two people laughing at the uh, shotgun range, uh, blasting away at, you know, uh, seemingly just, you know, big clumps of dirt and really no targets, but just shooting directly into the backstop. Uh, she had a great time with it, you know, and I asked her opinion. She said it was like, it's like being in a Predator movie. And, and I, you know, I, I really knew that I was going to have a fantastic day with Luca. I put that XO 12 in her hands and with those little 12 inch uh, barrels, you know, we had some slugs and, and, you know, some fiery ones. And of course, like it belted out, you know, the flames. 
And uh, truthfully, after, you know, watching this uh, laser arm shotgun, uh, I realized like it looks like it's up to holding up to quite a bit of abuse. So, you know, I think we're going to take some gas gas loads and we're going to find out how sturdy uh, that that gun is. Um, they, they definitely seem like a really solid piece. You know, the first time I saw it, uh, Mark from Trigger Wholesale brought it out. And of course, you know, he showed me and I said, Ooh, that looks cool. Like it's right out of Mad Max, you know, uh, with this over and under design, uh, shotgun with 12 inch barrels, but it's got the most beautiful wood on it. And you know, the finishes, uh, is painted on. Uh, from what it, what it seems like, it's it's not like a like a, um, a harder seracoating to me, but it hasn't really given away. So I don't know exactly what they're doing with uh, their coatings over there, but it seems strong enough, and and it locks up tight. The ejectors work great, and you know it's a lot of fun uh, when you crack this thing open. Uh, there there are some other double barrel shotguns on the market, and I won't again knock them, but they're a little stiffer to uh, to open. Uh, you, you won't be doing those with like you do with the Rossi, where you just sort of tip the barrel down and shake your wrist, and the gun opens up and kicks the shell out. It's it's not quite that fast. Uh, I'm sure with some time and a little bit of break-in, uh, they would give a little bit, and that's that's entirely possible. Uh, the unit that we had was, you know, pretty tight, and you needed to do uh, two hands, but it opened up easy enough. Uh, you know, if you did it with some assertiveness, and so we gave that to Luca, and of course she she was just belching out, you know, round after round and laughing and said man like I really like this one and and I realized that you know uh, there's a real place uh, you know for the transgender communities for the lesbian communities the gay communities like I mean uh, it really is the most uh, inclusive of Canadian uh, atmospheres and you know I don't think people uh, that are in the gay community realize uh, how amazing and wonderful it is to just be around people that enjoy the same thing and and to have everyone treated equally and you know everybody's expected to behave safely and you know like what a great place to be you know when I first met Luca uh, I can tell you that uh, you know I didn't hear snickering I didn't hear you know uh, people saying things uh, you know, like you would expect, you know, I think a lot of people believe that the uh, firearm community here in Canada is a redneck bunch. I can tell you that, you know, there, there certainly are those uh, in the community that might be that way, but uh, they're few and far between. A lot of them are far older. And, and the truth is, is that the new firearm community is terrifically accepting. And, and a lot of the older community too, uh, they're just happy to see people out, you know, participating in this great lifestyle. And, you know, the fact that it was uh, pride weekend, you know, maybe really think about you know, doing this podcast and how important it is uh, that the gay communities, uh, you know, understand that they have a fantastic place among us. And if they felt like, you know, that people that own firearms that somehow excluded you over the years, or perhaps if you were just too nervous to, to even approach uh, the subject, I, I can tell you that, you know, you might be really genuinely surprised. Um, you know, we, we only ask that you be safe. Uh, that's really the only requirement, um, from our community. We really don't care what color you are. Um, you know, what sexual preference you might be, uh, you know, like just to, to, to examine in its totality, the firearm community here in Canada, the legal firearm community here in Canada is a wonderfully accepting warm environment, uh, where you can be free uh, to enjoy yourself, uh, of any judgment, uh, you know, you might think you would feel, uh, I could tell you right now, you, you won't have it there. 
so we invite you to come out. Uh, there's a lot of great gun clubs that you can stop in at. Uh, certainly at some point we'll be compiling a list of what I think are the best places to go to enjoy yourself and to experience the amazing world of firearms. Uh, you know, I think for all the people out there that don't understand, uh, you know, the importance these items have uh, to people's lives, uh, you know, if you stop focusing on uh, the emotion uh, one for one moment, uh, connected, not, not, not that you could ever ignore it completely, but, uh, the emotion connected to tragic events. And, and I could tell you that you just need to look at how these things are happening and, and, and who is doing them. Uh, that's really the important thing is the legal firearm community is not hurting anybody. Um, you know, they just want to be left alone and, and to enjoy themselves uh, free of any unnecessary burden. Uh, at the same time, you know, they're being completely safe. They're just statistically not involved in these crimes. So, you know, uh, I would implore the gay community, look to their leadership and, and start to examine, you know, the the or, or originations, uh, you know, of uh of the crimes like you know like where where does this all start it's it's not it's not the legal firearm community guns are flooding across the border somehow uh you know uh, a lot of guns are coming across the border and that's really where the focus needs to lie and yet they seem to continuously uh you know put their crosshairs on this group of people and i think the gay community would probably understand uh how that may feel you know to be targeted uh and, and unjustly sort of unfair way. Uh, so I could tell you that the firearm community is kind of in the same boat. Uh, truthfully, I think we're the last discriminated group of people uh, in the nation. Uh, you know, like we, we really aren't involved in any crimes, and yet uh, we're continuously uh, targeted by our government, who would lead you to believe that we're somehow the problem. Meanwhile, the real problem is going completely unattended to. So when they try and get your votes and they tell you that they're doing something about crime, like when they run an amnesty and they say they've gotten you know, 2,000 guns off the streets, all they've really done is take them away from collectors uh, who have used your tax dollars to, to buy them back. And I think that that was something that was really missed uh, by a lot of people is if the amnesty, uh, you know, Brian Lilly did some great articles in the Toronto Sun, uh, but there was, there was an amnesty in Toronto and, you know, they collected a certain number of guns. And, and what you need to know for the people that are just kind of coming into this conversation is that they've taken tax dollars to buy back guns um, from people who own them uh, and or, or are in possession of them, uh, legally and or not. Uh, and, and the whole purpose of an amnesty is to improve public safety by taking firearms out of circulation, um, out of the hands of criminals. That's that's what it's designed to do. And instead, uh, what it is, is it's, it's actually uh, by design uh, allowing old people with guns to turn over their guns to collect some money and or to uh, give up. Uh, their collections because they think that the government is constantly trying to take them away. Uh, I, I would think that the gay community would understand, you know, the um, uh, the distress, you know, uncertainty can make you feel. And, and the firearm community has uh, certainly survived and suffered through some of that, you know, not knowing exactly what's going to happen to these guns. And... You know, we, we own these things. We bought these things. We enjoy these things. So I would ask that you just think about anything that you really, really love, you know, and, and just it, it doesn't really matter what it is. It could be anything. It could be an activity. It could be a thing. Um, you know, hell, make it a person. 
right? But think about the things that you really, really love, okay? And now imagine that somebody comes into your life and just snatches it away from you for no good reason. They just, they just take it, you know? And, and that's kind of the situation that the firearm community is in right now. Uh, they've gone through all the necessary steps to uh, obtain their licenses, get trained, certified, store these items correctly, uh, you know, maintain good order and, and standing in, in the public, uh, you know, in our communities. These people who own these guns legally haven't done anything wrong, and yet the government's going to try and take them uh, away from these people. And, and they're doing it in the name of improving public safety and solving, you know, the troubles, difficulty, uh, difficulties experienced by uh, communities as it relates to crime with guns. And so they're telling you that they're doing something about the problem, but they're really not. You know, they think you're stupid. And that if they take a bunch of guns away from collectors and people that have licenses um you know they'll try and sell you on the idea of the scary ones aren't necessary the truth is is that they all kind of work the same and there's two and a half million people in this country that have their licenses uh there's over 20 million firearms already out there and you may say that's 20 million too many uh if you, if you don't understand a thing i would tell you not to make comment on it uh, but there's you know, 20 million of these things out there. And, and when I say these things, I mean, they're, they're machines. Uh, they're no worse or better than the person that holds them. Police prove that, uh, you know, good people can have guns and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and statistically, all the people that own the guns legally in this country don't do anything wrong. Like you might think, uh, it costs a lot of money to get involved in it. Uh, you got to go through a lot of training, a lot of background checks, screening, you know, they talk to your neighbors, former spouses. I mean, just imagine how good you would have to be to own a gun legally in this country. If somebody had to go back, talk to two of your exes and maybe you might not hear something, you know, that's pleasant that could stop you from getting your license. So there's already like really serious you know, controls that are in place that prevent the wrong kind of people from getting their licenses. So it stands to reason that these people would not be involved in the crimes uh, that are going on and the shootings. Like, you know, we've had several shootings. You know, the, these people are not legal gun owners. They, legal gun owners don't carry loaded guns in public. Um, you know, it's, it's like a set of golf clubs that can only go in the trunk of your car, uh, and driven to the range and used there. I mean, otherwise, you know, people don't see you carrying your golf clubs around, you know, all day long or with them everywhere they go. Uh, although I'm sure some people do, uh, but, but firearms in this country are completely different than a lot of people think, uh, firearm ownership in this country, unlike the U S and I mean, there's, there's differences, a lot of them, uh, you know, in the U S you can carry a, a firearm. Uh, to protect yourself. And truth be told, there's an allowance in law for uh, the Canadian public here in Canada to do it as well. Uh, but it just isn't utilized that often. So there aren't many people in this country carrying uh, guns legally outside of the police and the military and, and a few select members of the public who've been able to demonstrate that there's uh, you know, danger potentially to their lives if they don't carry them. And I mean, that can mean trappers and uh, people that work uh, you know, way out in the wilderness. And you may not like that. You may not like trapping. Um, you know, may not see it as uh, as a humane practice. You know, some people live on that, though. They live for so far out that's what they do and i've come to respect that uh at the same time you know there's there's traps that are more humane and i mean people still hunt and that that doesn't sit well with a lot of people and, and i know the gay community aren't really comfortable with those things um i could tell you that there's a lot of good that hunters do uh for the environment you know more than you realize uh in fact the the, the reality is is that the animal numbers and, and the health of these animals is is completely dependent on population control 
And, you know, so for the, all the people out there that don't like the idea of hunting, the truth is, is that because we have supermarkets now, um, you know, animal populations can kind of grow out of control because like, you know, you've, you've removed something, um, you know, from our history as human beings, we hunted for food. And I mean, you could sit there and say, well, we weren't designed to eat meat, you know, our, our, uh, denture, um, uh, uh, dentition. That's the word. Uh, you know, our teeth are, are designed to, you know, chew grains. You know, we were never meant to eat meat. Uh, for all those people out there that believe that, you know, I don't. I, I really enjoy meat, and I'm not an asshole. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel guilty when I'm eating a hamburger. Uh, but at the same time, you know, <clears throat> I've really never gone hunting. I have a lot of friends that do, and they're good people, and and they feed their families the healthiest uh, of organic meat. And, and realistically, it's, it's the only way, uh, you know, I, I can think of. Uh, to humanely harvest and, and feed, you know, the family at your table, um, you know, what they need to survive. So, so hunting is, is an enormous part of our history. You know, uh, you know, there, there's a lot that's involved with hunting and I got a lot of respect for hunters and, you know, uh, the hunter chef's great guy. Uh, you know, and, and you'd never know, you know, that, uh, he would know how to skin deer and, you know, but like he does, you know, and, and I find that fascinating. Bugsy's, you know, tried to walk me through what you have to do. It, it sounds complicated. Like, you know, after you kill an animal, you have to do so many things, um, you know, to prepare the meat so that, you know, it's, it's, uh, suitable you know, for, uh, for eating. Uh, but, but hunting though in Canada has, has been around forever and it's, it's such an enormous part of our history. And, and now, you know, you've got supermarkets, so, you know, there are fewer hunters than there used to be, and, but people still do it. And it, it's, it's a really incredible way, uh, to, uh, uh, participate in that rich history that Canada has of, you know, going out and getting, you know, dinner. And, you know, they, they really do generate a lot of money uh, for the economy, uh, for uh, environmental funding uh, so that they can monitor species and they can uh, do more for preservation of the environment. And, and hunters are really kind of responsible for maintaining the last of a delicate balance between, you know, nature and man. And so for all the people out there that, you know, think that the firearm community involves hunters and we don't like those people either, they really do contribute something, uh, you know, amazing and wonderful and, and something that has been going on since the beginning of time. They, they, they contribute that. And so you got to respect that. And, you know, back to, uh, Back to speaking to the to the gay community, um, you know. Again, you know, find your way to our uh, local ranges. You you might be genuinely surprised at how much you enjoy yourselves. Anyway, that's about all the time I have for tonight's episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.